This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hello, hello, Around the Rim fans. Welcome to a new week and a new edition of your favorite women's basketball podcast, Around the Rim. I'm your producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and joining me today, I have a very special treat for you guys. It is the one and only Megan McPeak as guest host today. Hey, Megan. Hey, Tarika. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get into our hoop talk. Yes, yes. I'm super excited to have you filling in for LaChina today. So everybody, just so you're aware, um, LaChina's too busy for us. LaChina said she got something to do today. And unfortunately, the podcast was not something that was on her list of things to do. So I'm throwing her under the bus. And I'm letting you all know that even when the China doesn't care about us, there are people out here who care about us. And Megan McPeak is one of them. So thank you, Megan, for caring about Around the Rim this week. She's going to kill me when she hears this, you guys. You know this, right? (laughs) (laughs) I got your back. Don't worry. Got my back. Awesome. So, Meg, first off, um, for those of you who have been living under a rock, okay, Megan McPeak is literally a pioneer in the game of basketball. She is the first and only female play-by-play announcer in the NBA. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. Like, tell us, how did you even get into this? Growing up as a native from Toronto, Canada, like, please tell us about how you made your move into broadcasting and especially reaching the level of being the first and only woman to do this specific position. Yeah, it's been uh, amazing, to be honest with you. And it's been really fun. I mean, I grew up playing the game, so it is second nature to me to now want to talk about it. But uh, to think about like when I was in college and taking radio broadcasting, um, which my athletic director at the time said it would be the ideal situation uh, because I don't like to shut up. I like to talk a lot. So he put me, he actually made the decision for me. And to this day, I give him 100% of the credit uh, because it's the best decision someone else has ever made for me. And that's kind of just where my career began. And then you know, slowly moving up the ranks of doing college and university stuff back home in Canada, as you mentioned, being from there, and then working in a Canadian semi-pro league. And then when the 905 became a real thing for the Toronto Raptors, which is their G League affiliate, I said, why not me? Uh, You know, like, why not try to get that job? And I was successful and made history. So it's been pretty cool. And then after three seasons there, uh, I ran into – uh, the former general manager of the Capital City Gogo, which is the Wizards affiliate, uh, Pops Mensa Bonsu, ran into him at Summer League in Las Vegas. And he kind of gave me the heads up that he was going to be named the, G- the, the GM. And I kind of made a half made joke um, <laughs> about, you know, if they needed broadcasters to let me know. And he said, email me your stuff. And here we are. I'm now, you know, in my second, going into my second year, it'll be two years in October that I've been uh, living and working in Washington, D.C., And uh, I can say I'm a WNBA championship voice uh, with the Washington Mystics. So that was a pretty awesome ride. And now I get to talk to you about basketball. 
I know that is. And, and I mean, it, it's a it's something that you definitely can't downplay or take lightly because you are literally paving the way for hundreds or thousands of other young women and girls who want to get into play-by-play broadcasting and who possibly thought that this was an option that wasn't available to them. So you are a history maker and we love you and we appreciate you and continue to do amazing and awesome things for women and for women in basketball. So we're going to um, have a lot of fun on the show today. Um, we're going to be talking to Jordan Canada of the Seattle Storm. Um, we're also going to be talking to Coach Chastity Melvin of the Phoenix Mercury. We haven't spoken to Chaz in a while, so we're very excited to have a conversation with her. Um, but before we do, let's just catch up on everything um, that's been going on. So we're three weeks into the season. We've seen some teams make some complete shifts so far um the power rankings are out and i don't think it's a surprise um at which team is sitting number one on the power rankings because they've been playing amazing which is the seattle storm uh meg just kind of give me your thoughts very quickly on where you see seattle right now how well they're doing um if they're impressive to you at all (laughs) tariki when you look at seattle when you get brianna stewart back you get Sue Bird back. And I know this, you know, as you mentioned, three weeks in, she's been in and out of the lineup, uh, just, you know, dealing with that nagging knee injury, making sure she's healthy. Um, Doing what she's doing at her age is insane. So am I impressed that Seattle has returned back to championship form? I wouldn't say impressed. I would say I'm not surprised because – they have their entire roster back at their disposal um, and they are moving on all cylinders. So I would say I am not shocked. I expected this. I personally uh, myself had them as one of my top three favorites going into this season, along with Los Angeles and Phoenix. So I'm not surprised that this is how they are playing right now. I believe they're sitting now eight and one after a win um, last night. So not shocking at all when you have the talent that uh, Gary Kloppenberg has right now as he's the interim head coach with Dan Hughes not being in the bubble. So let's talk about which team has impressed you so far outside of Seattle. And in that same turn, which teams have been maybe a little bit of a concern for you? So for me, who's impressed me has been Chicago, the Chicago Sky, and Coach James Wade, um, who's also the general manager. What he's been able to do with this roster, especially with the way that their season ended at the fingertips of Derek Hamby and the Las Vegas Aces in 2019, uh, it's as if they have not missed a beat. They have managed to take what they were doing in 2019 and transformed it into the bubble, and it's – it's been seamless. It's been fantastic. They are amazing when you look at Allie Quigley and uh, Courtney Vandersloot and what they bring. But then also, can we get a shout out for Cheyenne Parker? What she did in the absence of Stephanie Dolson, who was dealing with that foot injury, she was playing like gangbusters on the floor. She was fantastic for them in Dolson's absence. And now you have Steph back and, you know, they can integrate her back into the lineup as well to Atlanta. I know their record would not say that they would be impressive or suggest that, but the fact that they can lose an Angel McCautry, you only have a couple of players returning, but then you also implement your star player and your draft pick in Kennedy Carter. Um, I know she's out of the lineup for the next couple of weeks with the ankle injury, but 
what she has done for them and coach Nikki Collin, like they are, they've been really impressive to me. Um, and again, you know, the record may not dictate that, but they've been fun to watch. And for me, that can impress me. If you're fun to watch and you look like you're trying to improve, uh, especially with a young, young roster that coach Collin has that that's impressive. And you're doing it in a very unconventional season. Uh, what we're seeing with the 2020 WNBA season in Bradenton and then concerning. Mm-hmm. The start for the Phoenix Mercury was concerning. When you add in Skylar Diggins-Smith, and then you add her to Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner, uh, as I mentioned, they were one of my top three uh, favorites going into the season. I was surprised uh, by their start, as well as the Connecticut Sun. I've been very shocked at their start as well, too. I know that's your squad, so I apologize. I'm sending you a virtual hug. But you look at their roster, and it's so shocking that they had this rocky start to them really successful in their last three games, but their start has now put them kind of behind the eight ball and they're now trying to climb out of the hole. And then honorable mention to the Washington Mystics. Am I concerned? Not a lot, but I'm also not surprised. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you about having concerns about Phoenix. I said this way back um, a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing opening weekend that I was concerned about Phoenix's start. Um, I knew that it was going to take some time for this team to gel and come together. And and I I don't think that it surprised me in the beginning um, so much that there were you know, slight issues with the chemistry, Um, but there's so much experience and there's so much veteran presence on this team that you're right. It's like they're playing from behind. And now with the news that Diana Tarazi doesn't really have a timetable for her return, we're now again relying on someone else other than the greatest player in the game um, to kind of take and propel this team forward. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be able to step up right now to try to put them on the road uh, to, to getting ahead, whether that's going to be Shatori Walker-Kimbrough, um, whether it's going to be, you know, Skylar, if it's going to be Brittany, whoever it is. And, and what's great is that we have Chastity Melvin on the show later today, um, who I'm sure is going to kind of fill us in on on what the plan or the time, uh, what, what, the, what the plan is going to be. But um, you're right. It, it was it was very concerning how Phoenix started, and uh, I'm still a little bit concerned. So we'll see. All right. Now, my Connecticut son, listen, I get it. Um, I knew that coming into the season, we were not going to be the same team as I had stated before. And as LaChina has often made me say publicly, um, I got it. You know, there is no John Quo Jones. She opted out this season. There is no Shakina Strickland. She's in Atlanta. There's no Courtney Williams. She's also in Atlanta. But we have just struggled offensively. We have struggled to put points on the board. Atlanta, uh, Connecticut struggled Wednesday against Dallas. And granted, um, you know, we were able to overcome a 12-point deficit and still take the win. But that's the biggest thing. And that's going to be the most concerning thing. Even though we have a Dewana Bonner, who's the fourth leading scorer in the league right now. Breon January's back in the lineup. And that's also encouraging. But I need to see more from Jazz and Alyssa. Um, and I think once we can start to put more points on the board and become the offensive team that we can be, we will be just fine. Um, I'm, obviously, I don't know how confident we should be about a possible playoff anything at this point there's only 22 games in the season but anything can happen right in your last four you're three and one right now and as you mentioned you're getting brown january back what shocked me the most was the fact they allowed courtney williams to leave 
that threw me for a complete like whoa loop at the end of the day we are still in for a heck of an impressive WNBA season that we are only three weeks in and I want to make sure that the fans know that we've got a couple of matchups coming up on ESPN um, this week this Saturday we've got two matchups for you where the Washington Mystics and the Las Vegas Aces will be meeting at noon Eastern time and the Sparks and the Fever will be played immediately following at two still on ESPN. And then finally on Sunday, we have two ABC lineup matchups where we have Dallas taking on Phoenix at 1 p.m. Eastern time and the Seattle Storm versus my Connecticut Sun at three on ABC. Megan, there are some great matchups that are going to be taking place over this weekend. Is there anyone in particular that you're looking forward to seeing? So the Lynx and the Aces, they're both right now sitting at six and two going into this game. Mm -hmm. I am so interested to see how Minnesota defends Asia Wilson, who right now making an easy argument for herself as the early MVP uh, favorite. Uh, but, you know, honorable mention to Courtney Vandersloot as well, too, because she's been hooping for Chicago and James Wade. But that's one I'm going to I'm really looking forward to, especially when you think about Sylvia Fowles. How are they going to defend Asia Wilson and what she brings to this team and to the to the game of basketball? Also, how are they going to defend Derricka Hamby? But then you also have to think about the fact that, hello, Lexi Brown. Hello, calling Lexi Brown. Like, how are how is Las Vegas going to contend with what she's been able to do. I know she's had a, a rough couple of games in Minnesota's last couple, but she has been fantastic for Coach Reeve. Um, and I know you didn't mention it. You were talking just with the weekend, but looking ahead, Tuesday, everybody loves an Aces and a Sky matchup. Everyone loves an Aces and a Sky matchup. I am here for this budding rivalry that we have started to, to get from Chicago and Las Vegas. I mean, if I can get that almost every single time I watch them play, I'm happy. Super happy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we are there for that. Now, before we move on, I want to play a little game. I want to okay. play a game of something or nothing. So I'm just going to throw out some things, and then you let me know if it's something or, yeah, not really nothing. No big deal. Okay. I like All the right. game. Let's do All this. Right. Let's do this. All right. So, Mystics, they were on a five-game losing streak. Something or nothing? Some would say I'm biased. <laughs> I think it is a little of both. And I say this because when you look at the beginning of the season and you know there's no Tina Charles, no Natasha Cloud, no Latoya Sanders and no Elena Deladon. And you also lose Chrissy Tolliver in free agency to Los Angeles, but she's since opted out. You're going to be a little concerned going into the season. I was um, concerned going into the season with them. Do I think it's something possibly? Do I think it's nothing possibly? When you take away all of that talent, you're dealing with players who last season were playing off of the bench or not getting really any minutes at all. Hello, Maisha Hines-Allen, barely averaging three minutes a game last season. And now she's thrust into the starting unit, has had a great impact. But now after those first three uh, games with the strong start, now you're seeing teams and coaches make adjustments, how to defend them how to counterbalance and counteract what they're doing on the floor um, and, and preparing their scouting report. So now you're getting to see 
them against, you know, good talent. Not that there isn't bad talent in this league. Uh, you know kind of where my thought process is with that when you think about the fact they've played, they've got Las Vegas this week, Los Angeles tonight, coming off a game against Minnesota. It's a gauntlet of a game where they're going every other day. So I'm not really surprised that they're going to be battling this five-game losing streak going against, you know, Los Angeles. But I'm also – not really concerned because coach Tebow is a basketball savant and the mystics have had bad days before. And this is part of growing pains. You have a young roster, the experience they're going to get for next season. When you get that talent back, this is going to be unprecedented experience for these players upon the return for the 2021 season. When you get Tina back, you get Elena back, you get Natasha back and potentially get Latoya Sanders back I don't know if she's going to retire after this time off I want to see her back I will take her back uh, because she's one of my favorite players all right Kennedy Carter she has played amazing to start her rookie campaign and then ouch she has an ankle injury and she's out for two weeks but now Jelani has played amazing in her absence. Like she, I think she's definitely um, a surprise come through player this year, something that I'm not sure that I expected to see. Nevertheless, Atlanta being without Kennedy for two weeks, something or nothing? Oh, this is something. Even with the play of Benajelani, um, who's been fantastic, I think you could easily put her uh, name in the hat uh, for most improved player this mm-hmm. season just with the fact that she has stepped up in Kennedy Carter's absence, as you mentioned, but this is definitely something you lose Carter for, you know, losing her for a game or two is one thing, but to be losing her for two weeks in a shortened season, you've only got 22 games. You know, most teams right now are anywhere from seven to nine games into the season. It's getting crunch time in a 22 game season. You're already 10 games in just under 10 games in that's half your season right there almost. So for people to think that this is nothing for Atlanta, this is everything for them right now. She has been their engine. She's been their motor. She's been fantastic for them in every single game. This is definitely something, especially if the Atlanta Dream and Coach Colin have the aspirations of busting some playoff hopes. Agreed. Guess what? Twitter is going to be renewing their contract to show WNBA games this summer. I'm super excited about it. Um, they already started streaming. Your partner, your partner in crime, Christy Winter Scott, uh, she's already gotten her feet wet with calling some Twitter games. So I'm super excited about this. Is this something or nah, it's nothing? We do this. I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's something because, hello, more eyeballs get to be able to watch the WNBA, but it's also nothing because, as you mentioned, like we've been doing this. Uh, but I think this is, I think most importantly, this is awesome for basketball fans, period. Not WNBA fans. Basketball hoop fans everywhere have another way to watch WNBA games. If you, might, if you don't have cable, then you're stuck with League Pass, but with a good healthy amount of games being on national television, whether it's ESPN or other networks, um, you, you might be in blackout. So then League Pass doesn't really work. So the fact you can open Twitter and watch a game like that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. And it's a different way to watch the game because it is not a traditional game call with a play-by-play person and an analyst. It's more so like what you and I are doing right now, kind of just sitting on your couch, watching a game, talking hoops with a friend 
but you get to do it with fans also watching. So I think this is something, nothing, and everything. Yes. Oh my God. I'm going to say that. This is not something or nothing. It's everything. I love it. Yeah. You got to meet the fans where they are. You got to meet your audience where they are. And it's wonderful that the WNBA does this to give people who um, are, are already on Twitter talking about the game an opportunity to do it at the same time. So I love it. Breon January, we talked about this earlier and how important um, we know what's going to be for her to get back into um, a, a Connecticut's lineup. She is back and she made her debut something or nothing for you know Connecticut to have Breon January back to help make an impact for them. Definitely think this is something, um, you know, for people that don't know, she had some, uh, she had to go through the COVID protocol that the league mandated because she tested positive. So first of all, shout out to Breon January, happy that she is healthy and doing much better um, and able to be playing. So I'm glad to see her back on the floor, but you know, to us talking and how we were concerned with the start to Connecticut uh, that they've had. I know they are three and one in their last four, but now you add in Breon January, you know, you look at her career numbers, eight point eight and a half points per game, 3.6 assists, 38.5% from the floor. However, the Sun, a Connecticut Sun team that shoot just under 32% from three, you're getting a player in January who shoots just under 40% from three added to your lineup. I think this was an area that Connecticut was missing something to your point earlier, Tarika, with Shakina Strickland being in Atlanta now and not on that roster as well. Um, you have, you know, Dewana Bonner, you add her into the mix who can shoot the three, but now you have another three point threat that the defense has to honor and defend. This is definitely something for Connecticut Sun fans. Absolutely. And her defense is ridiculous. So yes, <laughs> you, you are. I'm glad she does not have to lock me up. <laughs> okay. You are glad to have that back into the lineup for sure. Last but not least, LaChina Robinson being too freaking busy for her own podcast. Is this something, should we be concerned or is this nothing? In the words of Cam Newton, hello, this is something. <laughs> something. I mean, <laughs> I mean ma'am, it is called Around the Rim with La China Robinson. Come on now. This is definitely something, but it's also everything because the fact that we are getting busy La China, that means we are seeing her as the pregame and halftime host. We are seeing her as an analyst with Ryan and Pam. We are seeing her on, we'll be seeing her on some of the Twitter games as well too, alongside a plethora of amazing talent um, to be doing those Twitter games. While it is something for you and Around the Rim podcast fans and listeners, it is also everything for WNBA fans that just enjoy uh, LaChina's coverage. So I think it's something, but it's also everything. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Her being too busy for the podcast means she is spreading her chops everywhere else, doing everything possible to put on for women's basketball. And we just love her and her dedication to the game. So keep being too busy for us, LaChina. That's all good. We're not worried. <laughs> we got you, girl. We got you. We got you. We got you. Well, fans, without further ado, we are going to bring on some amazing guests um, to pretty much just talk basketball, let us know what they're up to, and, and share some insight into what it's like being in the bubble. So first, you are going to hear from Jordan Canada, after which you'll hear from Chastity Melvin. Stay tuned, guys. 
What's going on, WNBA fans? Meg McPeak. I am so happy to be joined by our guest, Jordan Canada. She is one of the up-and-coming superstars in the WNBA. She obviously plays for the Seattle Storm coming off of a win. And, you know, without introducing her, I've got to talk about some of the accolades because you can't mention Jordan Canada and not talk about defense in this league. She is a 2019 WNBA All-Defensive First Team one, she's a WNBA champion with the Seattle Storm in 2018, sweeping the Washington Mystics. Oh, but guess what? She was drafted number five overall by Seattle. And I think my favorite fun fact about you, Jordan, is the fact that you are the first woman, first woman in Pac-12 conference history to score 1,800 points, record 700 assists, and you joined one of the best to ever do it in Gary Payton. And I, I think that is probably the coolest thing as well. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited to have you on the show. First off, happy belated 25th birthday. How was it celebrating in the bubble? Thank you. Um, obviously, it was quite different. Um, I didn't really get to do much. So I had practice and then I came back and I kind of just chilled. Um, that's pretty much all I can do since I've been inside the bubble. But I've had friends send me gifts my parents sent me a, a little birthday cake and some edible arrangements so I got to celebrate just a little bit that's amazing I'm a big fan of the edible arrangements myself so I am super jealous about that and you mentioned you know being limited on what you can do in the bubble how is life going in the bubble and to that point what has been your favorite thing to do not hoops related to be honest, we kind of don't have much here. Um, we have a pool um, at the Legacy Hotel, which is um, like right up, I guess, the street, you can say, because um, we're all in a villa. So we have a pool that we can go to. I know they have like early morning like golf lessons, um, and that's pretty much it. That's all we have. Um, so for the most part, I mean, if you're with your teammates, you hang out with your team, um, you you know walking by because we're all kind of in the same area so we say hello to each other and speak to you know speak to our friends um and that's pretty much it you go to practice and you come back to your villa and you relax and chill then you go to games I mean it's really all that we have and you try to make the most of it I mean I'm very simple so it doesn't bother me as much um I'm such an introvert and I'm a homebody so I'm mostly in my room some uh, most of the time and just watching tv and stuff so it's been fine. Um, in the beginning, it was a little bit rough. I know some people um, terrible living conditions um, with it, where they were staying and stuff, but I never had a problem with it. Um, but it's been much better. Um, you know, we've only been here a little over a month, so it's getting better. And I think people are just getting used to the conditions and the environment. I'm so happy. I actually have something in common with Jordan Canada. I am very introverted as well and a homebody. So it's good to know if I was in the bubble, I would be able to survive with, like you said, the golf I'd be able to hit up. So that would be pretty cool. And, you know, it's always fun to relax outside at the pool when you have an off day. Um, so I know with things being in the bubble and this season being much different than what you're accustomed to, of course, the news before uh, heading down to uh, Bradenton, Gary Kloppenberg would be filling in again for coach Dan Hughes, just because of the health concerns with his previous health and COVID-19. How has the team been in contact with coach Hughes while being in the bubble? How have you all and coach Kloppenberg still managed to integrate 
Coach Hughes into the day-to-day of this season? I mean, uh, well, we kind of had a little bit of, of that last year um, when our coach was out, when he, you know, was, he had cancer and was in remission and stuff. So uh, we kind of had, you know, a, a few games earlier in the season without him, and we kind of had to, you know, do without him and, and adjust. But he's always been very um, active and engaged with us. He, I know he talks to the coaching staff a lot. He does text me and call me from time to time just to talk and catch up. I don't know about the other players. But, yeah, he's just been very engaging and, and still keeping in contact. And I, I know the coaches do a good job of, um, you know, talking to him and him incorporating things that he sees while he's um, just something that uh, he wants us to do. Uh, our coaches are very are good at that. And so having um, Coach Klopp, you know, be the interim coach, like he's had experience last year being, you know, in that same position and he's done a great job. And, and you know, we also have like, you know, Sue Bird, who's technically like a, a coach, you know, she's out there helping us, coaching us as well. So we have a lot of help. Um, but I know that, um, you know, we, we really do miss Dan and um, I know he's cheering us on from home and, you know, we're continuing to pray for him and have good thoughts. So um, it's, it's been, it's been a good experience. That's amazing. And it's, it's as if you have done this media thing before, because you segue <laughs> me perfectly with mentioning Sue Bird and, you know, for fans that may not be aware in 2019 with Sue being out uh, with her injury, you were basically thrust in your second season into the starting role and leading this team uh, from the point guard position and being a you know vocal leader at such a young age in your career. Can you tell us just how that adjustment was uh, last season and dealing with that and even if you know as you mentioned Sue is basically a, an extra coach with the team on the floor now that you've got her back in the lineup how, how how was that transition for you and what advice did she give you throughout last season it was it was it was tough I would say there was a lot of ups and downs during that season um, it's very hard coming from college and you're you know one of the star players on the team and you're playing a lot of minutes and you come into a team that's fully stacked and you have to sit to find yourself. And um, my rookie year, I had a hard time finding my role. Um, I was very up and down. I kind of lost a little bit of my confidence. So it was, it was a hard adjustment. And then going overseas, having to be thrust back into a starting position and have to, you know, get that leadership back and that confidence back. So I think that really helped a lot going into the 2019 season. I mean, obviously I didn't expect you to be out, but um, because I was prepared and I gained a little bit of my confidence back, I was able to just, you know, step right in. Obviously, there have been some dips and ups and downs during that season and trying to learn as I go. But Sue was a big help. I mean, the, the best advice that she gave me was don't worry about trying to fill my shoes and, and trying to be like me. Just go out and play your game. Um, I know once I came into the league, everyone was talking about, oh, well, um, Jordan and, and Sue and is Jordan going to be able to amount up to Sue and what and her and the expectations um, and so she told me not to worry about that like just go out and just play your game we're two different point guards we have two different types of styles but what I bring to the table is you know very important to the team and so I try to keep that in mind um, last year and and just trying to play my game and not you know the outside noise and just um do what my, my team needed me to do. And I, I kind of 
you know, it kind of, I got to gained a lot of confidence in that. And then coming into this season and having Birdie be back, I mean, like I said, we're two different point guards and two different styles. And if you watch this play of the season, you can kind of tell the difference of when I come in and when she's in. Um, so it's just great to see that, you know, we're able to play together um, and, you know, still kind of, for me, keep up the pace with the team when I'm coming in um, and not have a, a lull or a dip. Um, when Sue comes out so it's just been an awesome experience so far and she's been a tremendous help in in, in my growth um, all around. How important was that advice that she gave you of reminding you don't try to be me be yourself like how how integral was that in your growth especially as you mentioned now having her back? It was very helpful I mean coming into a team like I said that was fully stacked and then playing behind one of the I mean, honestly, the the best point guard to ever play the game. I mean, that's kind of like nerve wracking. And so um, you have your own expectations. Like, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to, you know, come in into a team that's fully stacked and playing behind the best point guard ever and, you know, fail. I mean, that's some of the things that I, you know, tend to think about my rookie year. And then having her tell me that, especially a veteran who's been in this game for so long, you know, she didn't have to tell me that. She didn't have to, to step aside and say, hey, like, don't worry play your game. Don't worry about outside noise or expectations. Just just play your game and think about the team and, and you and, and what you need to do to to get us to where we are. And so to have that advice at such a early stage in my career was is extremely helpful. Um, and it has helped me at times, you know, just think about those times where she says that and just to calm down. Because I know there's been times in the season last year and this year where I get super rattled and try to do too much. And then I think about what she put me in and I kind of like calm down and relax and get back to who I am as a player. So to have that, um, to have that advice at such a stage in my career is a blessing. Um, and so I'm just very thankful for her. That's such amazing insight, especially to, you know, to the legacy that Sue is going to have and leave on this game. That's amazing. And, you know, to have her remind you, be Jordan Canada. Don't try to be Sue Bird 2.0. That is that, you know, that understates what point guards in the game of basketball, uh, what's so important to them is reminding themselves not to be who they're, who they're filling in for or coming in for, but be themselves. Um, And, you know, we've talked about Sue being back and, also, last year, you guys did not have Brianna Stewart. Uh, went down with the Achilles injury while playing overseas and unfortunately missed the season. How has it been having them both back now, especially at the level that Brianna Stewart is playing at? Because I don't know if many people expected her to be – I think personally she's better than she was prior to the injury. How important has it been having them back? And your only loss this season was the loss to uh, the Washington Mystics. Is this season championship or bust? I mean, I think every team goes into the season, you know, wanting to win a championship. Um, That's obviously the ultimate goal. And I think for us having our whole team back, um, I think we have a really good chance at, at making it to the finals this year. And to have Stewie and, and Birdie back has just been such a great blessing. I mean, you know, two superstars on our team and, you know, they, they do a lot for us. And you can and you can tell in the way that Stewie moves and, and how efficient she is this year and her leadership has really stepped up this, this season. Um, you can just tell that she's just in a much better space um, 
you know, to have people like that on your team, it just makes my job easier. It makes everyone around um, around me, our job easier. So to have them is just, I'm so happy to have um, And I love playing with them. I, I know anytime I can pass the Stewie, I already know I'm going to get an assist. That's just how confident I am. And I just, that's how efficient she is. Um, and, and same with Birdie. I just know anytime she's in the game, um, we're, we're going to execute. We're going to be able to go on runs um, because she's just that great of a point guard. And so to have those two together and have it be on our, um, to have them back on our team, um, it just really ups our game. It ups our team. And so, I, I mean, I am confident that we're going to get to the finals this year. That's amazing. I mean, Seattle, you guys were the favorite coming into the season, I imagine, throughout the season with only one loss on your record. It remains the same uh, for everyone watching. You're listening to the Around the Rim podcast with LaChina Robinson. Meg McPeak filling in for LaChina. I'm joined with Seattle Storm's Jordan Canada. And Jordan, this season, in five starts while filling in for Sue Bird, she's been in and out of the lineup, uh, just dealing with that nagging uh, knee injury. You've averaged just under 12 points, 6.2 assists, two points, two steals. Um, how, has, how is the mental adjustment and how difficult, if there is one for you, being in and out of the lineup or because you have experienced this early on in your career, you've now adjusted to it? I don't think it's uh, um, something very difficult for me. Like I said, I mean, I understand my, what my role is on this team now. I understand that, you know, if, if Sue has to have a rest day or something happens, I know I have to step in. Um, and when she's better, I, I come right, you know, back to the bench. And that does not bother me at all. Um, I know my role. I know what I bring to this team. And it's that's just my mindset and my focus is, you know, how can I make this team better? How, what do I need to do to, to make my team successful in the moment when I'm on the court or if I'm off the court, you know, cheering, whatever it is. Um, it's not an adjustment for me. It's not hard. Um, like I said, I, I know the circumstances. I know um, how stacked this team is. And I just, I'm blessed to be on this team, to be honest. So whatever my team needs for me, I'm, I'm able to do. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm starting five games or, if I'm not playing at all or if I'm coming in and out of the lineup, um, I'm here to do whatever I need to do to play my part on this team. The one thing with this season being down in Bradenton, Florida, that's the site uh, for the 2020 WNBA season with everything going on, uh, that's where the bubble campus is. Whether individually or as a collective unit, as a team, what would you say has been the biggest adjustment that you or the team has had to make playing within this bubble campus and having everyone in the same location and things being different than what you're used to and what you're accustomed to, especially game day routines. Athletes were known as creatures creatures of habit, excuse me. So how, what or is the biggest adjustment uh, you've all had to make? I, I think you said it, it's the routine, you know, um, our schedule changes week to week um, and sometimes day to day, you know, we don't have the same practice times every day or every week. It changes, it varies, you know, and obviously our game times are different. You know, last night we played at 10 PM, which is something we're not used to, We, you know? Um, and so it's, that's probably just the biggest adjustment. People aren't able to really do their normal game day routines or even routines on a day to day basis. Um, everything, gets uh delivered to us so like groceries and stuff like that and just 
not being able to go anywhere. I think that's the biggest adjustment is knowing that you're not allowed to leave campus unless you're going to. And I think that's the most difficult part. But other than that, I, I think um, things are fine. It's just that game day routine, practice routine, trying to get into a flow. You're not really able to because your schedule is always adjusting from day to day or week to week. So you don't really have a rhythm. Before we let you go, I've got one last one to ask. I know when I introduced you, I mentioned last season, 2019, first team all defense. And of course, when you were uh, in college, you were named Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year in your senior season. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is or has been your toughest matchup defensively? Um. That is that is really tough. I would say my part. Hmm, I would say Christy Tolliver, my rookie, my rookie season. She was very hard to guard. Um, I would say Arike Gumawale. She's very hard to guard. Kelsey Mitchell. Um, probably those three would be my top hardest players to guard, just because they're they're so skillful. Um, they're really good off the bounce. They are, they're very crafty. So you are, um, so I would definitely say those three. I can honestly say, I'm glad it is your job to defend (laughs) those three and not mine. And I just get to talk about it. Uh, but it is, you are fun to watch. You are, uh, like I said, an up and coming superstar in this league. You have already made a name for yourself with, as you mentioned, a very stacked roster on this Seattle storm team, especially just in your third season, Jordan Canada. I thank you so much for joining me, uh, on the around the room podcast. Thank you so much. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you for having me. Welcome back, WNBA fans, to the Around the Road podcast with LaChina Robinson. I'm Meg McPeak, filling in for LaChina this week. Really excited about our next guest, Chastity Melvin. There is a laundry list of things I could say about this woman, but I'm going to keep it short because she has done many, many, many things in her lifetime. And Pioneer truly does not do you justice. You're a WNBA all-star and legend, ACC legend, You were inducted in 2014 to the NC State University Hall of Fame, 14-year professional career both in the W, the ABL, and of course overseas, sports radio host, MC, coach, and philanthropist, but most importantly, and my favorite fact about you, you broke Cheryl Swoop's record in the semifinals with 37 points against Louisiana Tech in 1998. Not many people, Chastity, can say they have broke a record of Cheryl Swoop's. Welcome to the pod. I am so excited to talk to you and get to see your face again. Awesome. Thanks. Good seeing you again, Meg. So background, Chastity and I met uh, last season while she was with the G League team in Greensboro, the swarm part of the Hornets uh, organization we had an awesome conversation so it's fun to get to talk to you again about your uh playing career and um first i'll start it off with you know your time in the w and the tough early days of the WNBA. now being a coach in the league how have you seen the growth of the league from when you played especially the early days to now as an assistant coach well, uh, this bubble life is a little bit different, but so we'll just talk about on the court. Uh, as far as like the coaching staffs and the system, there are more players that are um, coaching 
now in the league, which is a great thing. Also, just the different systems. They're letting the bigs stretch, be stretch fours. When I played, the bigs kind of just stayed inside. So I was, I was actually joking around with one of the players yesterday, like, I would be a three right now if I played. <laughs> so um, just the, the change in pace and the style of play. Um, the players are so multidimensional. They can play so many different positions out on the court, so you don't have the traditional roles. Uh, a little bit more fast pace, getting up and down a little bit more on the court. Um, and the players are just phenomenal. Off the court, just being able to use their voice and use their platform. Early on, we just kind of – kind of roll with the traditional roles, you know, play, play the sport, um, try to make sure you're, you know, carrying, um, performing in front of the organization in a way that, you know, they want things to run and how you, because you wanted the league to last. So you didn't want to kind of go against the grain. You didn't want to do anything where it was going to, you know, blow up in the media and in some kind of way call maybe cause the league to have more challenges than it already did as far as being the first, uh, one of the first female professional leagues in the world. So now the players get to voice their opinions a little bit more. And as you can see, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I want to come back to that in a little bit because um, it's something I wanted to ask your opinion on as well, too, being an assistant coach uh, with Phoenix. How has life in the bubble been? It's coming up on just over a month since uh, the WNBA, you know, put everybody in Bradenton, Florida. Uh, not far from Tampa Bay, uh, but how has uh, things been going in the bubble and what has been your favorite thing to do not basketball related? <laughs> well, first of all, it's the bubble life. I, tr I try to, I think I'm like with the, some of the players, I equated to being overseas. It's basically, you're kind of like isolated with your team and just, you know, you don't really speak the language. So you're kind of like isolated. So I kind of came in with that mindset. For me personally, it's been good because it's my first year coaching. So I'm around the other, the rest of the staff a lot. So now I get to learn a lot more about Sandy as opposed to if I was in Phoenix and I was traveling and we really didn't have time. So now we can meet or I can just go knock on her door. Hey, you were talking about this earlier. So for me, it's been good in that aspect. But for the coaches, it's just like no time, like game after game, you know, scouting and just preparing. And for the players, they're just unbelievable, you know, playing every other day and um, just praying that, you know, everyone stays healthy. And then with the COVID testing, it's just it's a lot mentally to stay mentally strong and be mentally positive. And then, you know, when you get your butt kicked, you got to come back and see the team after the game. So there's a, there are a lot of different challenges mentally. Staying here in the bubble, you know, seeing each other every day, but I think everyone's doing a great job. And so far, I mean, it's, it's moving by. So, you mentioned, you know, the the mental aspect of things going on with the bubble and just the grind of the day to day. Um, almost essentially, you know, when you add in practices and whatnot, could potentially be be doing some sort of basketball activity every single day of the week, just with a shortened season. You're a life coach, L. How have you been able to, you know, mentally just check in on the players? And even if it's not just with the Mercury, but the other, the rest of the WNBA, because everybody is in the same situation right now. So how have you utilized your life coach experience with dealing with the mental aspect um, and the hurdles that you're seeing? Yeah, for me, just personally with the players, I'm always just kind of in their ear, you know, and I just, as a life, most life coaches, you have a good sense of discernment. Um, for me, I have my faith. So you just kind of want to see when someone's standing to the side or just even if it's before practice or when we're riding over in the golf cart, just to have open conversation and open dialogue. 
Um, so for me, that's what I try to do. And for me, I also, I try to maintain a positive attitude every day. So I try to get myself mentally prepared before I leave my hotel room, just so I can be a sense of um, calmness and just, you know, provide a positive atmosphere. So when I get to the court, you know, I know they can feed off of my energy. So that, I mean, that's mentally challenging as well, because sometimes I just want to get out of here. <laughs> take a ride or something. <laughs> I totally get that. Uh, but it's great that you're not just, you know, talking the talk to the players. You're also walking the walk. So as you said, they can feed off of it. So for people who may not be familiar with you as the player, you had the chance to play against Diana Taurasi, who a lot would say is one of, if not the best player the W has ever seen. Knowing that you played against her and now you are coaching her as an assistant coach with the Mercury. How have you seen her grow from when you played against her until now? And I need your best Diana Taurasi story. Oh my gosh. I have, I have a lot of DT stories. Um, her growth, I just think more so is the mental aspect and off the court. I mean, she's vegan now. When I played against DT, she was a little bit, you know, thicker and just really tough to, you know, foul and you know stop and really but right now she's a little bit thinner frame so and obviously that's helped her with her longevity uh, for me I can never go vegan but same <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't do it but you know for every athlete you know they find different you find different things along uh, as your career goes along that suits you best for your performance and so I think that's helped with her longevity and obviously helping her bounce back through that from that back injury so now I think she you know when I spoke with her she just a chance I want to win like I don't have but a few few years left and uh, I totally get that and uh, I respect that so for her she's just really enjoying the moment and what I've learned about her just coaching her is like she's she is a lot like Kobe Bryant you know the stories I hear about him you know with that mamba mentality with that killer instinct and just the way she is with the coaches the players the referees you know everyone gets the same treatment <laughs> so um but you got to admire that work ethic and that just killer instinct and just watching her on the sidelines is a lot different from playing against her um and I, I realized, like, I was a little bit too hard on my guards. Like, just contest the shot. Get out there, you know? <laughs> now I'm sitting on the sideline all like, oh, my bad. <laughs> if she, wanted, if she wants to score the basketball, she wants to score the basketball. Easier said than done. Yeah, <laughs> Much easier said than done. Okay, what's your best DT story? Either when you played against her or now as a coach. Or just knowing her as a human as well, too. I really can't tell these DC stories. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we need the tea, sis. Um, nah, I mean, I, I really don't have a, I mean, other than just, you know, joking around with her, I, don't, I really don't have a, my DT story would be, I guess, I would just tell people playing in Russia. Um, DT was, this was the first time I had kind of met her off the court outside of playing against her. And I hated Russia. Like, I hated being there. I only played one season. And DT invited me to her house. And um, I got to go over there and eat dinner with her. And we, um, they had, like, a little player party and everything. But just this, for my first time to see her off the court where she's kind of, like, relaxed, the little mamba mentality was um, very interesting to me because it's, like, she's a super cool person and um, really cares about people and just, you know, want people to be happy and, and, and have a good time. So for me, that was, that was, that was a cool story. 
but uh, Diana, there's always something going on. Oh. I, I would have to start a vlog with that. <laughs> Give the goats permission. That's no, a, she's fun. That's never, never a dull moment. I, <laughs> or I, I believe it. I believe it. Just seeing the uh, IG live she did with Super to Meg Rapino that oh, was supposed yeah. to be an hour, but ended up being, I think, like four hours. And it went from, you know, sun, sun being out to the sun setting and her having to go inside to get lighting and it being like 10 or 11 o'clock at night on the East Coast and they're still going. Oh, yeah. And everybody was eating it up. It was like, it was probably the best IG live I've ever seen. And I would actually put it up there with some of the versus battles that we've seen. <laughs> I would say DT is great. She needs her own show. I mean, she's, but she's more of a, I would put her up there kind of like with Ellen having a show, but she'd have, she wouldn't have a PG version. No. You know, this is something you have to show on Showtime or <laughs> HBO. You, you cannot censor Diana Taurasi. Yeah, she will yeah. not allow it. Then with the, um, censored with DT. Yeah, it's boom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we're on that because we just, you just got the show name and we've come up with the idea. So we've got to, we've got to connect with her about that. My favorite story. And I've only met her once and I grew up watching her play. I grew up watching you play as well too, with the early days of the W, you know, you talk about the Houston Comets and I got to meet her finally for the first time last year. And when she was in DC, she did not play. She did warm up. She was starting to come back uh, after the back injury. And she was so gracious after the game with her time and talking to me and didn't, didn't want to talk about anything basketball. She wanted to know about me and what I want to do for my career. Um, so that was awesome to see that she, she'll talk to you about anything and it does not matter. So just the fact she was so gracious with her time was fantastic. Uh, but she, you're right. Uncensored with, with DT would be a fantastic show that I would 100% sign up for. <laughs> Yeah. So, as I mentioned, you were previously, uh, before joining the Mercury, you were with the Greensboro Swarm. You made history with the Hornets organization uh, when they hired you, being the first female assistant coach with their G League affiliate. Trailblazing and pioneering, it's something myself, I have to get used to um, in my line of work. But how, how did you feel that the organization embraced you and supported you during that season? And... Do you have a Michael Jordan story? Because that would be amazing. And I need it. <laughs> Meg, we all need it. I need one, actually. That's the person so much. I, all of the Greensboro Swarm G League, a lot of the players and staff got asked that question a lot. But um, he wasn't really around, you know, the Greensboro Swarm. So um, fortunately for me, I got to coach the men, so I had a great opportunity. But I wasn't. I wasn't up there with the Hornets. And, you know, we played in the whole entire, we played in Greensboro. So we're kind of far removed from the organization. So I was hoping, you know, I would get another year there just so I could pick his brain and ask some questions. Um, but the organization was phenomenal in just allowing me to get the opportunity. I think it was so new for everyone and it went by so fast that um, both of us, I would say myself and the um, organization missed out on a lot of great opportunities, I believe, um, because it was kind of like, okay, we have a woman here coaching, but can't she really coach towards this Like, I think it was just so new for everyone. And then by the time the season was over and the way it just ended, it just kind of, they kind of moved on to the next thing. And I was kind of um, in limbo. I wanted to come back. Uh, I knew I had done a good job. I had great exit interviews, um, but with the personnel and the way it changes so much in the G League, 
I want I needed to build my coaching career. So um, they were just kind of going back and forth on that decision. So I ended up going to college to coach. But I had a phenomenal experience. There was uh, really no difference in coaching the guys. If you know what you're doing, the guys are going to respect you and accept you. So for me, I learned a lot about the NBA as far as the language and the different sets and X and O's and that kind of stuff. So for me, I learned a lot to add to my playbook. Yeah, that's something I know uh, we've heard Becky Hammond say with the San Antonio Spurs. Greg Popovich has reiterated it as well, too. Even players, you know, whether it's the G League guys or the NBA guys, they could care less if you're male or female. If you know the game and you understand the game, they're going to respect you uh, as, a, as a coach. So that's fantastic to hear that it was, it was the same experience for you too. What made you want to return to W, but now as an assistant coach in that role? Well, Meg, for me, I've always wanted to get back in the pros and coach. Um, but it was a very challenging experience because um, as a player, you retire at like 37. You don't have coaching experience and they kind of, you know, put that on you like they don't look at your resume they're just like you have playing experience and, and not coaching experience so the NBA coaches program gave me an opportunity to get into the G League and then that helped me or I guess that helped others perceive me as serious about coaching um, because I had that experience um, that's what I'll say but um so I've always wanted to get back in the pros and coaches. Just weren't a lot of opportunities. Obviously we have 12 teams um, there are a lot of coaches that stick around and coaches choose their staff, they choose people who they're comfortable with, who they know, who they can trust. Um, I've learned that in this business. So it's just kind of hard to break into. And um, for me, when Sandy reached out, uh, I think the WNBA has in, um, made it where, you know, they can offer another position as long as it's a player on their staff. And so that kind of helped me, get, it enabled me to help give me an opportunity. And I think it's helped a few others. So I'm just going to take full advantage of it. And like I said, add to my playbook, add to my resume and keep moving forward. It's just very interesting. There's so many challenges, as you know, being a pioneer and even as a player breaking back into coaching because this is so stereotypical that players can't coach. And I mean, you just can't put all players in that category. Right. You know, just like you can't say someone that's never played the game can't coach. That's like saying every, and there's so many coaches that haven't played the game they have coaching opportunities. So it's just, yeah, you know, I, I remember on my exit inter interview, I had a really good interview and um, I won't, you know, put this person's name out there, but they just said, you know, Chas, when we talked to all the guys, if I didn't know who you were, I would have thought they were talking about a male. And for me, that just really stuck with me, like just how many barriers and how much you just, it's, it's really not about you. And I think that messed with my confidence a lot once I retired. It was just like the no's or they're looking at the resume and they're saying no, you think they're saying no to you. And I know you've probably experienced this as well, Meg. And it's really not, it really has nothing to do with you. You know, keep working on your craft. And, and so once I got that mindset, it built my confidence um, mentally. So now I just know what I can do and I just got to keep building it and waiting for the right opportunity. And I have a great opportunity here. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think that advice and that thought process can be said not just for athletes, not just, you know, people trying to get into broadcasting, but really for any uh, line of work, especially in roles that may be male dominated, yeah. um, or they might, you know, second guess a female doing that role. But I'm, I'm so glad that you said that. We're listening to the Around the Rim podcast with LaChina Robinson, Megan McPeak filling in for LaChina this week, joined by Chastity Melvin, assistant coach of the Phoenix Mercury. And I know you touched on it a little bit when we uh, began, but seeing how the players have 
use their platforms and their voices uh, during this time of COVID-19, the racial injustices and the social injustices that this country is seeing, how have you seen them use your voice and how has that inspired you? Uh, for me, uh, is I've seen them use their voice not only on their platforms, but just in their interviews. I know Skylar Diggins does a great job of making sure she brings uh, everything back to the main point of like what's going on outside this world as far as uh, police brutality and say her name and with some a lot of the women who have been uh, murdered and, and their murders haven't been brought to justice. Um, not only her, but Breonna Turner uh, has a foundation. She's um, doing some great things. Um, Diana Rossi, Sue Bird, everyone um, just using their voice on the biggest platform. I thought Sue Bird was phenomenal phenomenal on the SB Awards. Uh, I thought she did a really great job. And, 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 and not her, but just the others who chose not to come back and play. Um, that was a big, big decision, you know, for um, um, my girl like Renee <laughs> from Atlanta Dream. Um, I know her personally um, and to see her on TMZ Sports and still just really using her voice and, um, and being a voice for so many. Uh, it's really good. Um, back in the day, we just kind of wanted to make it uh, about the game. And I think sometimes people get a little bit um, – there are people who are a little indifferent because um, I have a lot of guys and a lot of people reach out to me like, Jazz, it should be about the game. Like, we want to know about basketball. We want to watch basketball. We want to see Carter cross somebody over. We want to hear about the new rookies. Like, they just want to know about basketball. And as a true fan, I get that. Um, so it is challenging with so many people um, – wanting different things from the league. Um, and sometimes it should be about the game. We should also make sure we highlight the talent in this league because we are still building it. And I, um, and it, there's a thin line because you just don't want it to be about, oh, well, they're just about this and, and turn people off with politics and what's really going on. But also we have to find a, a great balance of highlighting how great these women are on the court and the talent level, not only talent level on the court, but off the court, but and also just the issues and how they are able to use their voice because it's empowering young women. Um, and it just inspired me because, like I said, growing up in the South, We've always been told to just, you know, put your head down, do your work, and uh, that's the way you move up. And so for them, you know, being able to use their voice in times, like, it really inspires me. But I, I leave it to them, you know. <laughs> I leave it to them. I want to motivate the young kids and, and give back where I can and, and, and help them get other opportunities. Um, but, yeah, these young people have a, a big platform. And I say things when I need to, but I'm, I'm part of the old school generation. And so it just inspires me. Like, yes, guy, oh, tell them. You know what I mean? Like, tell them. <laughs> um, but when it's needed, um, I've always spoken up because I believe when, it's, when something is wrong, it's wrong. And that has to go back with my faith, and that's how my parents raised me. Um, so I have been in those situations where I have spoken up. And I think sometimes that's why I've missed out on um, some opportunities. And um, right now, just having everyone speak up helps not only just black women, but particularly black women, you know, get better opportunities because we all have to speak up. We can't just be one person. I 100% agree with that. And it's been inspiring to see these women, even, you know, tied into the NBA players. They're all utilizing their voices and their platforms. And it's it's great to see that they're being vocal both on and off the floor the floor and as you mentioned you know players like Renee Montgomery uh, Natasha Cloud using their voices off the floor this season and continuing to make sure that their voices are heard um, so a couple of fun ones before we let you go 
uh, because you do have a season to focus on um, and a, a title to chase down. So I have some fun ones and I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> okay. Let's the best place you have traveled either as a player or doing your philanthropic work. Uh, the best place is Israel by far. So if you haven't been to Israel, you got to go. And the world's best kept secret, Kenya, Africa, with my philanthropy work, awesome experience, changed my life. I totally feel bay on that when she said it. The trip to Kenya was changed my entire life. Makes notes. <laughs> Who is the GOAT? W or NBA or one in each? Yeah, I'm getting okay, spicy. I'll go, the, I'll go with the easy one first. Okay, so the NBA is Michael Jordan. He is the GOAT. Uh, hands down, he's the GOAT. Um, the WNBA, I am, I am really at a tie. I mean, I got Cynthia Cooper, but I love DT, so I, I, I got a tie. I mean, Cynthia is, is right there with me. And see, a lot of people miss Cynthia, but yeah. like... <sighs> She was she was a beast. Cynthia was a dog. She was great. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. But I'm just so I don't know. But DT, you know, now seeing her on the sideline, like watching her from a coaching perspective, I didn't actually get to do that with Cynthia. But uh, it's a tie, so I don't know. I can't say. But you know what? I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't. I I <laughs> normally do not accept a tie, but I can completely understand why. I mean, like I said earlier, I grew up watching the Houston Comets. So I grew up watching Cynthia Cooper, Shell Swoops, Tina Thompson, three of, you know, the best to ever put on a jersey in this league. Uh, they're all legends like yourself as well, too. So I completely agree. And, you know, this generation never got to see Cynthia. And then Meg, Sid came in like at Diana's age now almost. She was like 35. Yeah. You know, people don't understand that. Like, that's hard. So let, let's listen. The GOAT. Of the W, you know, like the old school, that's cool. And the GOAT of this new school league, oh, that's DT. So that's the answer. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And I think I think DT would respect that answer. Okay. One thing you still want to accomplish in your life. And it can be anything. Um, one thing right now uh, is probably my T-shirt and my... I had this concept since 2007. It has to deal with my faith in God and uh, just being a child of God. So I want to kind of get that out there. Uh, so hopefully I, I do that soon. Now you inspire All right. me. That's what I want to do. Yeah. That's one thing I want to accomplish. <laughs> Keep a lookout for it. Chastity, I, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We truly oh, appreciate I got a, your I insight. Got a key story. So I'm walking okay. I'm thinking I'm doing great. And I'm like, I had this hat on. I got it right here. And she said, what's this hat say? And I said, it says, I'm the best. And she was like, you're a fat ass. <laughs> you're <laughs> so I started working out. <laughs> See, she not only motivates her teammates, she motivates her coaches. So I'm shape. I ain't going to lie. I'm like the old school bed that just, no, I'm not working out. So now I'm working out. I love it. Uh, yeah. Hey. hey, you gotta find motivation somewhere, and it took yeah. it took DT. DT, <laughs> uh, everyone's been down the chest you're gaining weight, and the goat says, "Got it, make a shape, get my seven day contract, man." I love it, <laughs> player coach Chastity. Thank coach. you so much. No worries, thank you. 
All right, basketball fans, thank you guys so much for joining this week's episode of Around the Rim. We had an amazing time. Megan, I can't thank you enough for saving my butt this week. Listen, Tarika, you, you need me again. You call me. I know the China's too busy. That's okay. But we got you. I got you, girl. I'm just, awesome. listen, the conversation with Jordan was amazing. The conversation with Chas was amazing. The story about DT, man, come on now, girl. <laughs> right like first off if dt ever looked at me and told me you need to get in the gym i'm going that day that day immediately like i'm out point blank <laughs> period period china la china missed a good one she did she did she will she will regret this i'm that's what we did it's what happens <laughs> But please tell the people where they can find you on social media so they can follow you and keep up with what you're doing. So if you're on Twitter, you can find me at Megan McPeak, all one word, M-E-G-H-A-N. Uh, my parents blessed me with the H in my name. And if you're on Instagram and want to see what I'm doing on game days, you can follow me at Megan.McPeak. Uh, same as my Twitter, just add in the period between my first and last name. And guys, please make sure that you follow Megan because not only is she an awesome follow to talk all things basketball, but she is here for this plight of social justice and equality and putting on for black women. Believe that if you guys can't see her or don't get a chance to see any of the clips from today's show, she is wearing a Say Her Name t-shirt and it is so fitting for what we are doing, for where we are right now. And we appreciate you for continuing to be in this fight, for continuing to, to fight for yourself, because that's essentially what we're doing with this, right? We're fighting for each other and we're fighting for ourselves as Black women. So thank you for continuing to be in this fight. It is much needed and much appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And hey, when one wins, we all win. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you keep up with us at Around the Rim Pod on Twitter. You can find me at SheKnowsSports underscore. You can find LaChina at LaChina Robinson. You can also send us an email at AroundTheRimPodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back next week, guys. And uh, maybe LaChina will be here. Maybe not. We don't know. Come back and find out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.